Welcome to another Solid Rock Church podcast by Bishop Larry Ragland, Senior Pastor of Solid Rock Church. For more information and content, please visit solidrockchurch.com. Last week I told you about the Ark of the Covenant being taken. Today, oh, I know I ain't taken up offering. I know I haven't done announcements. We'll do that. CJ, it's your responsibility to remind me. It's all on you. If it don't happen, I'm telling Sandy to get mad at you, not me. Okay. We will do announcements. We will do offering. And no one will leave till it's done, right? Look at your neighbor and tell them, don't lie in the house of God. Oh, and by the way, tonight, everybody say tonight. Tonight at 6 p.m., every single one of you need to be back and, and honor and show support for our Ambassador College graduates. That is such a major accomplishment. 6 p.m. tonight. We have three different years they'll be graduating. You'll get to hear their valedictorian speeches and everything. It's going to be powerful. Tonight, today I want to show you something. The Ark of the Covenant was taken last week. You remember that? They took the Ark. If you were not here last week, let me just real, real quick review to you. The children of Israel thought the only way they could beat the Philistines because they got killed bad, so bad the last time is to take, of the Ark, take the Ark of the Covenant, which represented the glory, ahead of them, and God would fight the battle for them. Well, let me tell you something. When you take it with the wrong spirit and the glory of God is being abused and the glory of God is being used by someone who's not a real preacher, which was Hophni and Phinehas, which were the sons of Eli, which were the priests, the lineage of the priests, two generations of priests who had abandoned God, who had offered uh, incense to, to false gods. And here they are trying to use the glory of God, knowing that they've been spending private time and even temple time worshiping doing mantras to false gods. God said, I'm going to show you this right now. You cannot take advantage of my glory and I will, sh- I will share my glory with no one. You can't take the ark into a place that you, in other words, you can't take it anywhere where you have not been before. The glory comes with you when, when God has, you're already walking in the glory. You carry the glory into battle if you are already walking in the glory. You don't get to walk in sin and carry the glory. We've got a lot of preachers that need to hear that. You don't get to act and be exactly like everything else in the world and get to walk in the glory too. He would, the, the title of this message is God doesn't share, period. I know we teach our children to share, but God doesn't share. He doesn't share His glory. He doesn't share His honor. He, is, he will not share His throne. Are you hearing me? There is no other God before me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. He doesn't share. He's not a way. He is the way. He's not a path. He's the only path. He's not a God. He is God. He's not a little G, baby. He's the big G. Now, I'm just going to hit 1 Samuel chapter 4, verse 11. Sorry, media team. I'm going to jump over to verse 11. And it says, And the ark of God was captured, and the two sons of Eli, Hophni, and Phinehas died. We went on to tell you that when the news came back that the sons of Eli had been killed in this battle that the ark had been taken, their father Eli was sitting on a bench waiting for news. And when the runner came and told him that his sons was dead, oh, he was probably sad. But nothing major happened. And then after they said, your sons are dead and the ark has been taken. And the Bible says when he heard the ark had been taken, he fell backwards over the bench and hit the gate and broke his neck and died. Moments later, the same runner ran into the, the temple or in the house, the housing quarters along the temple, and found the wife, the daughter-in-law of Eli, the wife of Phinehas, one of his sons. Ran in and found her. She was with child. Not yet ready to give birth. But pretty close. But not quite time to give birth. Ran in. What is the news? How is my husband? Your husband has died. His brother. Your brother-in-law is dead. And even your father-in-law Eli just died. Oh no. My 
my baby's gone. But she was still okay. But then she heard that the Ark of the Covenant had been taken as well. And when she did, she fell to the ground. And labor was, tri- was triggered. The baby pushed down into the birth canal. The water broke. Blood began to flow. And the midwives realized the baby is coming now. Are you hearing me? The baby is coming now. It's, it, it doesn't make sense. It's not the right time. But it doesn't matter. This thing can't be stopped. Are you hearing me? The baby is coming now. So as she's preparing to have the baby and push the baby, she's so distraught. She don't want to live anymore. And the midwife says, this is so bad. There's so much blood. You've lost so much blood. You're not going to make it. But I have good news. Your son is here. Your son has been born. Look. Look at your son. And the Bible said she would not even look at her son. Not because that she knew that she was dying. But because she knew what was coming for the world in which this boy would live. Because he was going to be born into a world that his father did not know. His grandfather did not know. He was going to be born and be a part of a generation that the glory had departed from. That the Holy Ghost glory, the mercy seat had been taken There would be no semblance. There would be no weightiness. There would be no smoke filling the temple. Are y'all hearing me? There would be nobody getting saved. There would be nobody being healed. There would be nobody being delivered. Because none of that happens without God. None of the things that we heard would happen in the miraculous is going to happen because the glory has been taken. You only have a few breaths left. What are you going to name this child? Well, I have to name this child because this was Eastern culture. You would name a child based on the situation in which that child was birthed into. And this is literally what she named him. Name him Ichabod. Because Ichabod means the glory has departed. The rest of his life, he would be known as the glory has departed. He would be a generation of lineage, of the house of God, where the glory has departed. Oh, I'm about to preach in a second. I'm going to get you all out of here. I promise you. Listen to me. We have just endured an Ichabod generation in the church. We have watched people take the Holy Ghost and put Him in a box and put Him behind a curtain in a corner. We have built churches on lights and screens and music and streaming. And we have X'd out the glory of God. I talked to my bishop this morning. We was comparing Pentecost messages. He's preaching for, for the man, the, the, the general. He's preaching at World Harvest today for Dr. Parson on Pentecost. Oh, my God. Preaching for Rod Parson on Pentecost. What in the world? So he's calling me from Columbus, and he's preaching. I'll just steal a little bit of his message. He's preaching a message today called, I'm, I can't wait to go back and watch it. It's called Ghostbusters. And he, he's preaching about the dove. He's preaching. I love this one thing. He said, he said, I'm preaching today about when Noah let the dove go. And the dove went out and came back with an olive branch. It came, kept coming back with something. And then one day let the dove go. And what happened? Never came back. And the Bible says the reason didn't come back is because there was a place for him to land. Are y'all hearing me? And he said, but wait a minute. What, you, what we miss is we see the dove. I love this, man. I, I was walking. I was out walking in the neighborhood when he was telling me this. I was shouting all waking up the neighbors. I was shouting so loud. He said, he said, when the dove disappeared, looking for a place to land, 
We don't hear from that dove again until Jesus come up out of the river Jordan. And it found a place to land. And all of a sudden, out of heaven came the Holy Ghost in the form of a dove. And it sat upon him. And he came out, whoa, in the anointing. And he walked under that anointing. But then he went to heaven and released the dove again. But the difference between this dove and that dove, oh, come on, is this dove is on fire. That was mine. That wasn't his. But I love this part. He said, let me tell you something about a dove. And here's what happens when when you're an Ichabod generation. He says, let me tell you what happens with a dove. He said, a dove is one of them kind of birds don't like to be in a cage. It'll just keep hitting the sides. He said, you'll see them. They'll build big compartments for them when they're keeping them as pets to let them have some room to fly away. But you can't just keep them in a small little cage. He said, Say this with me. Doves were not meant to be in a box. He said, you know why Jesus got mad when he went in the temple? It wasn't because they were selling stuff. It's because he saw them doves. The Bible said they were selling doves, and they had doves in a box. He started knocking over the tables and knocking open the boxes. He said, I was busting out the ghosts. Come on, somebody. He said, we need a generation that'll kick over some tables and bust out the Holy Ghost again. We need a ghostbuster generation. Yeah, Bishop, I just preached your message. Ichabod, putting the Holy Ghost in a box, saying we don't need him anymore. But I'm going to tell you something right now. God ain't going to share his glory with nobody. Are y'all hearing me? So they got all big and bad. The Philistines marched in there, man, with the Ark of the Covenant. You know what they did? They didn't set it outside. At least the Philistines even had an understanding that that was a holy piece of furniture. They didn't put it in the temple of God because they didn't serve God, but they took it to their temple. The temple of a God named Dagon. Are y'all hearing me? Let me preach for about 10 minutes. 1 Samuel chapter 5 verse 1 says, Then the Philistines took the ark of God and brought it in from Ebenezer to Ashdod. And when the Philistines took the ark of of God, they brought it into the house of Dagon, watch this, and set it by Dagon. Mistake. Listen, the only other time we heard about Dagon, do y'all remember the other time we heard about Dagon? Dagon was the temple that Samson was tied to the poles, made fun of. My God, are y'all hearing me? Dagon was the God that, that Samson, who was God's mighty judge, had his eyes plucked out and his hair shaved and had to, had to act like a mule and, and walk around in a circle and grind grain and press grapes like an animal. Then they tied him completely butt naked to shame him between two poles standing right in the front of the God Dagon. Staring while they danced and they worshiped Dagon. Man, the only two times Dagon talked is talked about. Both times they made a huge mistake. They set up something of God or somebody of God right next to Dagon. And he's standing there. He can't see. My God, he don't even know all he can hear. But he realized, okay, this is it. But he said, he cried out to God, God, if I'm going to go out, don't let me go out this way. Don't let Dagon get the victory. Don't you let them see me die here. Don't you let them kill me here and get to worship Dagon. If I'm going down, Dagon's going down with me. Oh my God, are you hearing me? If I'm going down, Dagon is going down with me. He said, can you strengthen me one more time? And I love this part of scripture. It says, and he did not yet know that his hair had begun to grow back. He had a little peach fuzz up there. It was just enough for him to to remind him of the anointing. And he pushed those two pillars. And he went down. But Dagon went down with him. But them Philistines were persistent. They rebuilt Dagon. Watch this. Dagon is a half fish, half man God. From the torso down is a fish. It's a merman. From the half down is the fish, the tail of a fish. From the head up is the torso and the head and the arms and the shoulders and the face of a man. 
It's where you get mermaids and mermans. They come from the god Dagon. Remember that. So they set the mercy seat next to a merman. Thinking that merman could handle the moment. Now watch this. Are y'all with me, church? Now, verse 3, chapter 5, 1 Samuel. And when the people of Ashdod arose early in the next morning, there was Dagon falling on his face to the earth before the ark of the Lord. Oh, y'all didn't hear what I just said. They set the ark next to Dagon, shut the door, partied all night long, got up the next day, going in there to worship Dagon, and sometime in the middle of the night, Dagon fell down and worshiped at the altar. The Bible said, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. I can't wait. I can't wait for the day when all of us in our glorified bodies are going to watch the devil himself bow before the king and say before all of the third of the angels, I was wrong. You are the king of kings and you are the Lord of lords. So here's what religion does. Well, must have been an earthquake or something last night. That's impossible. So unless of learning, instead of learning their lesson, the Bible said they stood Dagon back up and set him in its place again. Listen, what you got to get is this. Is the Bible says they set him in his place Again, he didn't just fall over. He was removed from his position of authority. He didn't just fall over. He he was pushed and shifted and taken out of a place of authority and put under the auspices of the anointing of the glory of God. God was trying to take a merman and use the, the devil's God to teach those. They ain't but one in here should be worshipped. And watch this. Not even the ark is supposed to be worshipped. The only reason the ark is holy is because that's where God sits. Oh, I'm preaching better than you shout. Y'all ready? Oh, I'm hurrying, I'm hurrying. No time it is. Can I tell you something else that y'all might not have thought about? Dagon is a statue. He's not alive. It's one thing for one person, for a person to bow down, but nobody was in that room. They shut the door and went to bed. Nobody was in that room. You think a priest of Dagon would have done that? That would have been stupid. That would have made Dagon look stupid. So the presence of God. God himself came in this room. I would have loved to have been able to watch that. The presence of God came in this room. God walked in that room and went, I can't wait for them to see this. Yeah, that'll work. Nobody could have done that except God or sending angels to do it. Are y'all hearing me? My God, I feel the Holy Ghost. So they set him back up. They said, well, I don't know what happened last night, but I didn't feel an earthquake last night, so we're good. The Bible says in verse 4, the next day, somebody said the next day. They arose early the next morning, and there was Dagon, falling on his face to the ground again before the ark of the Lord. But wait a minute. This time, the head of Dagon and both the palms of his hands were broken off. Only Dagon's torso was left of it. Therefore, neither the priests of Dagon nor any who come into Dagon's house tread upon the threshold of Dagon in Ashdod even to this day. The Philistines got something that we ain't even got yet. 
They didn't try to fix their God again. We keep trying to fix our failed system. We have done away with the altar. We're talking about the altar is the place where God dwells. We've now done away with the altar. We've now made bigger stages and smaller altars to keep people from coming up here and getting in the camera. Blocking the preacher and his TV screen and whatever he's got up there and all of his props. We've forgotten that the glory still resides in the altar. The altar is still the place where sin burns, flesh burns, things are cut. I'm preaching better than you shouting. It's 1146 in case you needed to know. What's this? So God comes back in that room again and says, Well, they're really going to like this one. He looks over at that fake looking merman thing. Half a fish and half a man. He's probably, they probably made him look mean and bad and all. He's probably like, And God's like, oh, man, somebody needs to record this. This, this should be live streamed. If it was nowadays, nowadays God would be like, okay, hang on, let me, let me get my feet going. Everybody needs to see this. He goes over to the head and goes. <laughs> but that wasn't enough. Wasn't enough just to take his hand, head off. He also took his hands off. Because I'm going to tell you something. Hands are what make war. He said, let me tell you something. I want the people of God to know. First of all, the head represents authority and the hands represents what makes war. But it also represents authority as well. I'm removing all authority from Dagon. I'm taking his authority off at the neck. And I'm removing his hands so that my people will know Dagon does not have any ability to make war against you when I'm in your presence. Let me tell you what else I think. It sort of hit me this way. In the New Testament, what was the symbol of Christianity? Say it loud. A fish. That's how they hid from the Roman Empire. They, they adopted the image of a fish because Jesus said, come and I'll make you fishers of men. And that was, that was the symbol of it. So what they would do in the early days, this is history. This is actual factual history. They, they would sort of paint a fish before the Roman Empire even knew what it was about and they would paint it on the door or paint it in strategic places so that when early believers which was only known then as the way that before they was ever known as Christians they were known as the way they would walk by and they would see these little fish symbols and they would know that a believer was in there that, that they had somebody they could go in there and pray with they had somebody they could go in there and stand in the gap with come on are y'all hearing me so we see this as a type and example and a shadow because God's word is not by accident and everything's in there is intentional. This was an actual historical event that happened, but we can learn from this because that God Dagon is the same spirit. That's what I told I told somebody this morning. I'm breaking the spirit of Dagon over the church in 2022 because that's the spirit we've been operating under. We've been trying to be a fish. We've been calling ourselves a fish, but we want to stuck stick ourselves on top of the fish. We want to be the hands. And we want to be the head. But we still want to have a little bit of fish left so we can still call ourselves a church. So we can still call ourselves a Christian. But we want to be able to be the ones that builds what we want to build. We want to say what we want to say. We want to decide what we want to decide. But every time somebody tries to question us, we just flop our tail and say, look at us. We are a fish. We are a fish. But let me tell you something. God will not share His authority and His glory with anybody. And I'm telling you, the spirit of Dagon is being broken. His head's being taken off right now. His hands are being removed. Because number one, the only thing that was left was the torso, the body, the heart. That's us. Are you hearing me? But he's the head of the body. So he said, I ain't sharing the head as a God with anybody. So he is the head of the body. But guess what? Nothing is ever done on this earth, miraculous, that is not done by the hand of God, right? 
How many knows the hand of God that moved upon your life? It's the hand of God that heals you. But watch what, watch what happens. His hand operates in this world through your hand. Come on, y'all hear me. So he said, watch this. I'm going to put myself as the head, but I'm going to put my authority in your hands. But only when I'm the head. You don't get to operate in authority on behalf of God if God is not the head. That's good preaching right here. Are y'all hearing me? Woo! Yeah, baby. I understand. I understand. See, you know how God gets on the mountains of Peru? We go. You need to understand what I'm saying to you. There are 350 children right now at this very second, this very moment that live 16 to 17,000 feet above sea level. We're going higher this year, we've been told, than we've ever gone. So pray for us. It's going to be close to 18,000 feet above sea level is where we're going to be. But we're not going there to see the view, we're not going there to take selfies. We're going there because there are 350 children that have been born on that mountain, fed by their mama on that mountain, lived their whole little life on that mountain with temperatures that reach zero and below and have never had a pair of shoes in their life. One blanket in the whole family. No trees can grow up there. I've been up there two times already. It's been my third time. There's a line that you cross. There's no trees. It's too cold. There's nothing can grow up there. There's nothing to burn. No one has fire. No one warms themselves with fire at night. They go inside a hut and they wrap themselves in whatever blankets they have. That's it. There's no animals other than llamas and alpacas. Nothing can live. But there's people living there that God knows their name. And he's heard the mama praying. If only I had something to put on the feet of these babies. Well, for 350 children. I wish to God there was more. We're coming. But before we ever give them them shoes, before we ever put those socks on those feet, and we put the shoes on their feet and we lace them up, and we pray for them, and then we wrap them in a new blanket, and we put a new bargain on their head, and we give them warm gloves. Before we do any of that, we tell them, hey, the only reason we're here, the only reason we came, is because Jesus wanted us to come to this mountain and tell you that he knows about you and that he loves you. And these shoes didn't come from a church. They didn't come from a man. They came from Jesus. And when we're putting those shoes on their feet, we tell them to the interpreter, Jesus is putting these shoes on your baby. And I'm going to tell you something, when you become the hands and the feet of God, when you begin to operate in the anointing of God, when you begin to look past your own life and you begin to make a sacrifice to do, I'm not just talking about Peru, I'm talking about on your job, I'm talking about in your neighborhood, I'm talking about in the slum somewhere, I'm talking about anything in your life. When you begin to be the hands and the feet of Christ and you show somebody Jesus in their time of need, they will look at you every single time. I've never seen it where it didn't happen. Tell me about this, Jesus. There is no on the mission field. How many believes this message that we preach today? How, how many would raise their hand and accept Jesus Christ? Oh, I see that hand. There's one. I see that hand. 
I see that hand. There's one, there's one in the back, sister. Thank you so much. Thank you. No, when you're on the mission field and you say, how many wants Jesus Christ, this God that we told you that loved you so much that he died on the cross for your sins and came back from the dead and loves you today and says to you that he loves you today. How many of you want Jesus? Without fail, every single hand goes up and they stand up and they pray the prayer and they weep and they cry and they give their life to Jesus. The entire village... Men, women, and children. Dagon has got to go. I break it in the name of Jesus right now. I declare it. I speak it by the power and the authority and the anointing that's on my life and in this house. We break the spirit of Dagon over the church. We pastors stand up against Dagon. Bring the glory back in your church. Bring the glory back in your church. It's time for the devil to have his head took off. It's time for the devil to have his hands took off. I'm tired of the church being molded and shaped by the world. But wait a minute, we're in the New Testament. We don't have an ark. Look at your neighbor and tell him, good news. Tell somebody, good news. We do still have an ark. You are the ark. You're supposed to be so anointed if somebody took you into the temple of Dagon, Dagon would fall before you. Not to worship you, but to acknowledge the anointing that is on you. The Bible said Peter was so anointed. My God, he's on his way to a prayer meeting. There's so many people lined up, attracted to the anointing of God, wanting a miracle that was on him. Not Jesus, Peter. The Bible said he was so anointed that when he was walking through the crowd, his, the very shadow of Peter was healing the sick. Are you hearing me? He was so anointed, he didn't even know what he didn't even know he was doing it. He was on his way, and people were laying there halt and maimed, and the shadow of the man of God brushed across. Nobody touched him. Nobody prayed a prayer over him. But they stood up, and the Bible said, even the very shadow. Where are the shadow Peter anointed preachers of today? We can't even get a preacher to preach past 20 minutes. And half of the 20 minutes is a story that he's telling and a joke. I ain't got nothing against stories. I ain't got nothing against jokes. But stories and jokes are not going to take the head of Dagon off. I'm preaching better than you shout. I'm trying to finish this thing. I'm going to finish it. Here it is. Here's how I know you're the ark. The ark, the reason the ark was holy is because the two angels touched in agreement. The Bible said the angels' wings touched. And between where those two angels' wings touched was called the mercy seat. And, and, and when the God would come down, the Bible said he would set in the place of agreement. See, see here's, here's, here's a reason why you don't need to try to do life by yourself. Do church by yourself at home on a screen. Because you ain't got nobody to be in agreement with. Oh, you might be powerful and anointed. You might chase the thousand. You hook up with one more person, you can chase 10,000. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. One can chase 1,000, two can chase 10,000. I like those numbers. Watch this. Psalm 22, 3 says this. But you, but you are holy, enthroned upon the praises of Israel, his people. Enthroned upon the praises, people. That word enthroned is the word yasab. It means this. Listen, I'm just reading right out of the Strongs. To sit down. That's enough. But to ambush. To dwell, to remain, to settle, to abide. And this one about knocked me out of my chair. To marry. All of those are the definitions of the word enthroned. That when you understand who you are in God, God don't just tickle you. 
make your hair stand up and give you a goosebump. He sits down on you. He will ambush you out of nowhere. When you least suspect it and think he done, he done left you out of nowhere, he'll come out of the bushes, my God, and just sat down on you and say, stop it, stop, stop, stop. I know you won't try to walk right now. I'm just going to sit on you so you don't move. How many ever had God just come in and blindside you? And you think, God, what are you doing trying to hold me back? I, what are you trying to hold? And later on you realize, thank you, God, for holding me back. Because if I'd have did what I thought you was telling me to do, I'd have missed it. How many know sometimes you need God to ambush you and set down on you? Just to stop you from being stupid. He'll sit down on you. He'll ambush you. He will dwell with you. Remain with you. Settle with you, abide with you, and make a marriage covenant with you. Happy Pentecost. Because that's what Pentecost is. See? See, you got to get this. Get those ready, announcements ready, ushers, get ready to usher and be awesome ushers and all this kind of stuff we got to do. Come back tonight at 6. Watch this. When they would bring, once a year at Passover, the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies. He would go behind a curtain, probably about the height of this curtain. There was two curtains. One curtain was just like this. You would see it if you were in the inner court. The table of showbread and all, you'd see the curtain. But you couldn't see the second curtain for a reason. There was a space between them, just about the space for a man. So that, because God will share his glory with no one. He will share his light with no one. No one will be able to say anything that, that is about to happen inside this Ark of the Covenant can be attributed to anything man can do. It is all God. Now watch this. So the reason it's done that is because there's no natural light can come into the inner courts because it's housed off from the outer court. It's, it's, it's curtains all the way around. So natural sunlight can't get in there, but there is man-made light in there. There is the, there's the, there is the menorah, the candles burning. That's man-made light. Are you hearing me? But God will not share His glory with no one, with nature or with man. How many knows God is not nature? We don't worship nature. We don't take our commands from nature, and we don't take our commands from God. I'm preaching better than you shout. So what's this? So the reason there was two curtains is because right now, the way I'm looking at it, it's sort of dark behind there, but it's still... I can still see because of the light that's spilling over from around here and just in this room in general. But he would pull that curtain back, and the priest would go in once a year in his garb, and he would stand and he would wait until that curtain completely stopped moving. He would look at the base of it. He would make sure that he knew where the line of the, of the light from the menorah was. And while he, when he knew that it was not moving and no chance of any of that light from that candle to come, he would open the second one. Now, when he would open that second one, he would open that second one into complete, utter, the most dark that dark can be for human eyes. Nothing. Could not see the hand in front of your face. He would stand in total darkness knowing that in that room, right in front of him, was the mercy seat. The Ark of the Covenant that we're preaching about was right there, but he could not see it. He could not feel it. He was to stand back with a branch in his hand, dripping in the blood of a lamb, a hyssop branch. And he would stand in front of that ark. He knew exactly where the east side of that altar was. And he would begin to sling towards the east side of that altar. He would begin to confess the sins over the people of God. And he was slinging the blood, slinging the blood. Everybody say the blood. As he was slinging the blood. We're going to break the spirit of, of Dagon. We're going to have to start pleading the blood again. Amen. Come on. He starts pleading the blood. He starts pleading the blood. He starts pleading. He wasn't just pleading the blood for himself. He's pleading the blood, not even for his family. He's pleading the blood of Jesus over his nation. Where are the people that will plead the blood of Jesus over the United States of America? Where are the people that will plead the blood of Jesus over our children, over our school children, over our school system. Where are the mighty warriors? Sit down, sit down. I can stand in just a second. And as he's doing it, the Jewish Talmud, which is a writing of priests, it's not considered to be canon and holy, 
but it's, it's very well respected because these are the writings of Jewish priests throughout the years. Many times have recorded in the Jewish Talmud that priests would testify that as they were slinging in total darkness, most all of them would say they would consistently hear the sound of a man breathing. And then it would get louder and louder. This is the way it was described. As a man running as hard as he can towards you. And they're just trembling in total darkness, slinging the blood. And they'll say, And when that breath would release, the place would light up with a light that is no man has ever known. And the priest would be blinded. And he went from blindness of darkness to blindness of light. And if he was not right with God, he would have been struck dead because of the glory. The glory would come in this room. That was once a year. That was only one man. Here's what Pentecost is. Remember when Jesus died on the cross, the Bible said he, gave, he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. He died. And when he did, the Bible said the veil in the temple was ripped from top to bottom. As a piece of paper. Watch this. You don't, you, don't, you don't do this. When you're ripping a piece of paper, you don't, you don't do this. It's so weird I can't even do it with my You don't do this. Right? Nobody rips a piece of paper like that. They rip the piece of paper from the top to the bottom. Because it's, I'm the one ripping it. And I know that I have the authority to rip it. I have more power to rip it. The Bible says it was ripped in two. And it says in the Bible, from top to bottom. It was at least that high. There was no scaffolding. There was no razor knife for somebody to get up there. The only one that had access to the top of that, just like this piece of paper, was someone that lives above everything else. And he leaned, oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. He leaned over, my God, and he said, we don't need this no more. There is one priest between man and God now, the man Christ Jesus. He comes back from the dead. Shows himself by many infallible proofs for 40 days. Stands up on the mountain in Acts chapter 1 and says, Go to Jerusalem and don't, don't leave till you receive the promise of the Father. And watch this. They're in that upper room. Acts chapter 2. And there came a sound. There came a what? Of a rushing mighty wind. You know what that word wind is? Breath. There came a sound... Of a rushing breath. Oh, But there wasn't nobody up there slinging blood. Because we got a better covenant. The blood had already been slung. Are y'all hearing me? The blood had already been shed. The lamb had already been killed. Oh, I feel God up on this Pentecost Sunday. The blood was already applied. Only thing that he was waiting on is for people to get in one mind and one accord. And suddenly there came a sound of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the house where they were sitting. My God. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire. And it set upon each of them. Oh, my God. I feel the Holy Ghost up in here on a Pentecostal Sunday. Smoke. Where there's smoke, there's fire. In the Old Testament. Woo. In the Old Testament, when the glory would fill the room, it'd fill the room with smoke. They didn't see the fire because they couldn't get to the fire. All they could do was walk in to the smoke. But in the New Testament, <laughs> we're not looking for the smoke. We're, we're not even looking for the fire. We are the fire. If you see something that's burning, it's because we are there. Right before Dagon got a hold of the ark, do you know how many people were killed? 3,000. The first death toll of Dagon on the children of Israel in this whole story was 3,000. Watch this. 3,000 dead. 3,000 dead. Holy Ghost fell on Pentecost Sunday. The Bible said they were in that room 
for three hours. We ain't been in here three hours yet, almost. I'm working on it. But watch this. Less time than we are, just a little bit less than time that we have been in service today is all the first church ever spent in, the, in, in that room. The Bible said they got it. They got what was happening. They remembered what he said. Witnesses unto me. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, uttermost parts of the earth. Three hours they were out in the streets walking in fire. Hey man, get up, get up. I just need a shot. I need another shot. Give me a shot. Gate called Buell. No, I said get up. No, I need, I need a pill. I need another pill. No, let me tell you, I ain't got no money. I ain't got no money, but what I do have. Oh, I, I know I'm preaching past 12. I know what time it is. Watch this. Listen, listen. He said, listen what he said. King James said this way. I love it. He said, look at me. Look on me is what he says to the king. Look on me. Same command that Elijah gave Elisha. If you can see what's on me when I go, you can have what's in me. He looked at that man at the gate called Beautiful. He said, listen, I can't even describe it. But if you want to get up today, you need to see what's on me. It's three hours ago something came on me. Such as I have on me, I give to thee. Guess what happened? The man got up and he danced and he shouted his way into the temple. And his testimony spread real quick. Guess how many got saved that day? 3,000. When the glory was taken, 3,000 died. When the glory returned, 3,000 was added. Oh, y'all hear me. Then 5,000 was added. Then 20,000 was added. Then a million was added. Then nowadays, right now, it's believed to be somewhere around 1.8, 2.2 billion people around this world says Jesus Christ is their Savior because the Holy Ghost fell. Somebody get up on their feet and shout, I am the church. I am the church. Shout it right now. Shout it right now. Stay on your feet. You break it. You break that spirit of Dagon over your life. You break that spirit of religion over your life. There's no more powerful spirit than the spirit of religion. You break it over your life. You break it over this nation right now. Begin to pray in the spirit right now. Begin to break it. Begin to break it. You know, you know some people that's got it. If you got kids, you got grandkids that are tormented by demon spirits, you've been given power to tread upon serpents. Call their name. Speak their name right now. There's fire on top of every one of your heads right now. You ain't got to shout that fire. You ain't got to shout that fire. Sometimes you shout because you do have fire. It's there. It's there. You need a healing in your body right now? Lay your hands on your body where you need that healing and speak it over your life right now. I don't have to come touch you. You have been endued with power from on high. You have been endued with power. Speak it over your life right now. Get out of the No better day to get your healing than Pentecost Sunday morning. say a new fire a fire you ever had a fire where you was burning stuff outside and you kept, you just keep an eye on it because you didn't want to get it out of hand but it was getting late so you needed it to burn down so you wouldn't have to worry about it and you check on it right before you go to bed you look out the window real good maybe walk out there and look at it there's no sign of smoke there's nothing burning there's no flame there's nothing even glowing there's no embers go to bed and you're confident you sure are sure of yourself that the fire's out I've lost my fire I don't even know how to get it back there's no semblance there's not even an ember but I'm going to tell you something I've seen it happen in the natural in the spirit everything ain't like it seems because sometimes all you need is a good wind. 
And a good wind hit that pile of ashes. <sighs> Knock one little top layer off and expose something way down deep inside. All of a sudden, a flame comes up where there was no flame. And you realize, okay, and you throw a limb on it. And how many knows the drier the limb is? and singes up fire comes on you throw another dry nothing burns quicker and faster than something that's dry so here's good news if you're dry and you're thirsty all you need because watch this if you're a child of God I don't care what you've been through and what you feel right now. And no matter what it looks like, no matter what it feels like, I know it seems impossible. But down in there somewhere, there is an ember. All it needs is just a wind. And that's what Pentecost is. Blow on them right now, God. Blow on that ember. Blow on it, God. Let that ember glow, Lord. It might not turn into a fire right now, but Lord, let them feel something warm. God, let them feel something restarting. Oh, and remind of God, they're going to come back quick because nothing burns faster than dry. And as dry as they are, God, they're coming back fast. Fast. It took a long time to get as dry as they are now, but it's going to come back. It's going to come back so quick. Come back, come back, come back. Fire, burn, burn. Wind, blow. See, sometimes you got to take a stick and poke that fire. You know what Paul told him? Stir up the gift of God that's with him. Nobody can do that for you. Take that rod and that staff. Let God take that staff, stick it into that ember, and stir it up so that wind can catch it. And that dry and thirsty soul can reignite. What better day to reignite than Pentecost Sunday? Somebody shall burn!